When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. Instructions. Corvus is a restricted-use pesticide. A man that knows any food tastes better when deep-fried and served on a stick. This is the Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. 505 is what the clock says, and January 15th, 2020 is what the calendar says. Good morning. Welcome to the Midwest Farm Report. Happy Wednesday to you. We've got a lot going on this morning. The 2019 Wisconsin Crop Production Report was released late last week, and I catch up with John Heinberg. He's a market advisor, and I asked him what he made of this report, as there's a little bit of a gray area. So he clarifies a few things and then also explains to producers what their mindset should be as they head into 2020. Reba McClone catches up with State Senator Howard Markline. That'll be right at 535. And we'll be hitting on some other big topics, but I also want to make you aware of what is happening today. It is hopefully a historic occasion as President Donald Trump and Vice Premier Liu He of China will sign the Phase 1 trade agreement this morning at the White House with roughly 200 people invited to attend. The president was in Wisconsin last night as he held a rally in Milwaukee and then hightailed it back to the nation's capital to get this legislation in place. Now, however, some question China's ability to increase expected purchases and if the agreement will actually stick. The American Farm Bureau Federation says the agreement will open the market, but not exclusively to the United States. And that means the U.S. will have to compete with other exporters for the expected 40 to $50 billion increase in annual purchases by China. We will keep you updated on that situation throughout the day. And my conversation with John Heinberg is just moments away. Get insurance from a company who knows Wisconsin and cares about your community. You may know Rural Mutual Insurance as the number one farm insurer, but did you know they also offer competitive home and auto rates? Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more about products and discounts. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. I'm Matt Damon. I'm Zachary Levi. I'm Uzo Aduba. Join Major League Baseball and Stand Up to Cancer as we stand in honor of all loved ones affected by this disease. Visit standuptocancer.org slash MLB. Stand up with us. There's been a lot of confusion, and rightfully so, about what's what. Where crop reports are concerned in 2019, I'm Scott Schultz on the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. There's crop reports... The reason they're so confusing, it seems, is because of the plantings, the early and or late plantings, and the no plantings, and the till or the harvest. We have no idea in the end, kind of what's harvested. Reba, how are we going to figure all that out? You know, Scott, I don't necessarily know because there's a lot that goes into them, like you said. And at the end of last week, we were all holding our breath, waiting for the USDA to release the 2019 crop production report. Well, now it's here and we have an in-depth look at the results uh, with Josh Scramlin taking that for us. It's Josh Gramlin for the Midwest Farm Report, and right now I am on the phone with John Heinberg. He is a market advisor with Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson. John, how's it going this morning? Going well. Going well. I wanted to get a hold of you because the 2019 Wisconsin Crop Production Report was released last Friday. This was a report that a lot of people were anticipating. Uh, Can you put into words how important was this year-end report? 
Well, the January report typically is one of the more volatile reports that we get. And if you remember, we had the government shutdown last year, so we didn't get this report. So this year, with all the question marks and the the two major grains, uh, corn and beans, obviously, trying to get an idea where this crop is. And and so this was hopefully going to shed a little more light on that. Again, just because of the conditions, the process USDA goes through, we still have some question marks here. Uh, but maybe getting a little bit more clarity, uh, at least in the short term, that can provide us some price direction or at least some ideas of where we are in supply as we move into the first part of the year. Was there anything that really surprised you or stood out? Well, as we kind of look at the production numbers, those are the numbers that were kind of the focus, I think, in most people's minds. To me, you want to see where this crop is. What do the trends continue to be? Uh, Obviously, with these reports, we get a round of expectations that the quote-unquote analysts put out there. And then a lot of times the market trades according to those analyst expectations and what the numbers come in as. You know, when I first saw the original uh, analyst estimates, I was kind of thought they were going to be a little optimistic on the corn market side in terms of the production, and that did seem to be coming true that way. Uh, to me, those the, this time of year, you really focus on those grain stock numbers. There are those numbers that just tell us where we are with current supply. We get those reports four times a year, basically, uh, here, March, June, and then September. And those can really be trend setters or goalpost setters because that's the number of physical bushels at this stage that we got to work with. So would you say the report overall was better than expected or worse than expected? Well, breaking it down, realistically for corn, when we got the production numbers, they were disappointing. We came in, uh, you know, in terms of carryout, we're uh, well above expectations, about about 140 million bushels. They raised yield up a bushel per acre. It did take acreage down. Now, typically that's a trend. When acres comes down, the yield goes up. Uh, but the market was expecting that number to come, uh, that yield number to come down to 166, and we went up to 168. So realistically, just on the crop production number sides, it was disappointing. Uh, to the point where if the grain stock numbers probably weren't as favorable as they were, uh, we would, wouldn't have shocked me. We would have lost five, six, eight cents on Friday's trade in corn. You know, then we throw that grain stock number in there. Uh, that's the important one. You know, we're expecting this to be uh, about 11.5 billion bushels of corn in storage. It came in 11.4, actually 122 million bushels under expectations uh, on the you know, precise numbers. You know, that's friendly, and that's probably what kept corn at least supported up slightly on the close on Friday. Uh, just because of that pure stockpile. And then when we're talking about a crop that's dealing with the harvest issues that we've dealt with this year, I mean, I just read a stat here a few minutes ago that when they put that grain stocks report together, 52% of this North Dakota corn crop is still unharvested. Those things counted as, uh, those acres up there counted as unharvested bushels, but stored bushels. So we're going to see some adjustments down the road. So when we get to that March grain stocks report, that could be a pretty interesting number, and especially June, uh, because of the corn that we are harvesting in some of these later planted crops, as guys in Wisconsin probably know, it's running lighter test weight. and We will grind through that very aggressively, and we could see some pretty big surprises uh, on those grain stocks numbers, which could keep some support under price. The 2019 Wisconsin Crop Production Report is out, and I am on the phone with John Heinberg. He is a market advisor with Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson. Uh, John, was was this on par with what you were seeing all year and hearing from producers in 2019? Yes and no. I mean, there's still a lot of variability, again, depending where you're from. You know, majority of the later planted corn did not come in, uh, you know, as most people anticipate, obviously, because of the, the, the drawn-out harvest and 
the things that came in play there. But in some regions, the, those later planted crops uh, where they did finish out did okay. Uh, I wasn't overly surprised that we saw the yield number jump up uh, just because of that as we get some more of these final reports uh, that just builds a little bit of support in this market. To me, it came in kind of where I thought it would. I thought we'd see that that carryout number come down, but not as much as the expectations were. But then the biggest part, too, I thought that grain stock number would be light, and it was, and that brings that support. And like I said, in these corn prices, at least so far since that report's come out. All right, let's show soybeans some love. Uh, sure. In yeah, terms, we, of, <laughs> we really do. What were your what were what are the big takeaways from soybeans in 2019 based on this report? Well, a couple of big things that came at me was just it was a little bit disappointing. I'll be flat out honest. Uh, the bean number again pulling aside the grain stocks was not friendly. We saw the yield number go higher, uh, up about eight tenths of a bushel to forty-seven point four, about six hundred million acres come out again. So that acres out yield higher mentality probably stayed in play there. Uh, then we look at the carryout projections. The market was thinking it was going to get around 425, 430 in next year's carryout. It came in at 475, unchanged really from last month. They didn't make any movements on the on the demand side at all because of the you know we don't have anything confirmed with the phase one trade deal coming in here or whatever we're at. So there's still a lot of question marks on terms of that. And the USDA right now really can't make any movements on demand because we are behind at this pace. If anything, I thought, you know, they may have stepped out and said, let's cut some bushels off of demand. We'll see. So realistically, again, when the base numbers came in, it was a little bit heavy. Uh, then you go look at the global numbers, again, based off those U.S. numbers being heavy. We saw that global supply also coming above expectation, not by a millimetric ton, but again, it's talking about the trend. So now the market's quickly shifting its focus. We got those numbers in. Again, still some room for adjustments there. South American weather, South American crop has now become the focus as they're going to start harvesting at full speed here pretty soon. You know, how does that weigh on the market? Last thing, again, talk about those grain stocks. Now, that did actually come in above expectations there on those soybean stockpiles. But we're still about 500 million bushels under last year. So, again, a number that is more friendly in that regard. Uh, but uh, bean numbers can move around pretty quickly. So, you know, that's kind of why bean stayed supported, I think, just overall because that green stock number. Now, today we're down a few pennies. Maybe we're starting to digest South American crop coming at us. Production yield carryout was higher month over month, so we got a little bit more of a negative tone. We'll see if the market can hold in on its support here uh, with the optimism of that trade deal getting signed this week. Right now I'm on the phone with market advisor John Heinberg. John, as we start to wrap up for 2020, things you want producers to keep in mind? Well, you know, at least here in the short term, there's a lot of things that could still come into play in this market. You know, the perception still is we got a lot of supply. And that could keep prices relatively choppy. You got to watch a little bit of money flow. Okay, right now the market is sitting short on the corn side of the equation. So do they tighten things up there and maybe gives us a little bit of a short covering window? With that, we've already seen forecasts for big numbers coming at us again next year. So to me, if you got opportunities to sell some value and protect value, you need to start looking at that going forward on that core market. But somewhere still need to keep some opportunity in front of you in case one of these grain stock numbers comes through and does miss by 200 million bushels and we're off 25 cents to the upside. Uh, those things could be out there. We've got some history that shows that. Go back to 2009-10. Another similar harvest type year, we had a 300 million bushel miss in the June grain stocks that year as we saw massive amounts of disappearance in the third quarter. I think that could be something we could see this year. So producers, if you're making sales, 
use call options or use puts and have some strategy to keep the upside open so you can jump into those types of moves and then go ahead and sure up your floor. Same thing with beans, a lot of question marks. What does China step in and buy? We'll see, okay? Maybe even on corn, do they step in and buy some corn? We'll see. Uh, but at this stage, you know, right now we're probably going to stay pretty seasonal. Typically beans put in a winter high the last handful of years, drop to a spring low. That's going to be a window to, if you move some beans early, which we're encouraging some people to maybe get their toe in the water for next year's beans here, you know, we can get some paper over top and open them up for the summer in case we do have some weather issues again for here in the U.S. crop that summer. All right, that is John Heinberg. He is a market advisor with Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson. John, thanks so much. Thanks for your time today. Of course, the pleasure is all mine. And if you want to view the full 2019 Wisconsin Crop Production Report, you can go to our website, MidwestFarmReport.com. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Josh Scramlin. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. The scenery is breathtaking. The people, amazing. I'm Pam Yonke, inviting you to join me on our next agriculture adventure to Scotland and Northern Ireland, September 15th through the 25th. We'll begin with three nights in Glasgow. Then it's on to Edinburgh and tour of the capital cities of Belfast and Dublin. With agricultural highlights like an Ireland dairy farm and an expansive rural life museum. Email me, pam at midwestfarmreport.com or call 800 826 2266. Jewelry is always the perfect gift for that special someone. You want to go to Goodman's Jewelers, where they have the experience and patience to work with you to find that perfect diamond. Pendant necklace, diamond earrings, engagement ring. It'll be a one of a kind and all yours at Goodman's Jewelers, a couple blocks from the Capitol on State Street. A man that knows any food tastes better when deep fried and served on a stick. This is the Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. It is 5.18 on the clock. Happy Wednesday to you. I'm connected live via Skype right now with ag meteorologist Stu Muck. Stu, good morning. How's it going on Wednesday morning for you? It's going all right, Josh. How's it there? You know, it's going pretty good. I was I was looking outside uh, right before I, I hopped on Skype with you, and we still got a couple inches of snow on the ground. Uh, are we going to add anything to that in the next couple of days? Well, there is a little bit coming today. I don't think it's going to be a, a major shock to anybody. I mean, not a major snowstorm or anything, but there is a winter weather advisory that goes in effect at six this morning until noon today. Now that includes La Crosse, Monroe, Juneau, Adams County. That's called it central Wisconsin and extends further south into uh, Sauk, Columbia, Dane, Green and Rock County as well and into Jefferson County, so that southwestern, almost third of the state under that winter storm, war- winter weather advisory, excuse me. And in that area, well, everywhere, we're going to see a little snow. In fact, radar already this morning indicating some light snow in northwest Wisconsin, still way north of Eau Claire, back into northern Minnesota, eastern North Dakota. So there is snow out there. Low pressure is building northeast in Minnesota. It's brought a warm front up toward the state now. It'll follow through with a cold front later today, and that's when I expect some snow, especially uh, Madison and areas south, a little more of a chance for a mix of precipitation. Elsewhere, more likely just some snow, 
but not a big deal. About an inch of snow. That's really all the threat there is for today. Not going to add up to be that big of a deal, but there is going to be that mixed freezing drizzle and the like, especially in the south, maybe right at La Crosse as well. So things could get a bit more slick. That's mostly through the morning. In fact, as we make our way into midday and afternoon, that snow tapers off and will certainly end as we head into the evening hours. But there's colder air behind this system. That will drop those temperatures a bit further overnight, meaning a colder day in store for Thursday. A cold, dry day. That's not all bad in its own right. But I then have to talk about the system that will develop in the northern Rockies and start to push toward the Midwest. That next system is the one I think we've been hinting at most of the week. Looks like it could have a little more punch to it. And I think we have to start talking about uh, late Friday into Friday night that more likely snow develops. Southern Wisconsin may have a bit of a mix of precipitation. I think everyone else is talking mostly about some snowfall developing Friday, lasting overnight Friday and into Saturday. And right now, most of the forecast models I've looked at have really started pushing us up closer to four or six inches of snow with that system. That would be what would be here as we head through Friday night and starting us on into the weekend. But that's still a couple of days away. We'll watch it closely. Things change. You know they did. Look at last weekend. But certainly we have a little mix of light precipitation today we have to deal with. And I'll have forecast details right after this. Smog, garbage, sewers, car exhaust. Today's world puts our sense of smell on overload. Luckily, there are places we can go to refocus our senses. Our national wildlife refuges. When you visit, your nose will instantly recognize the purity of nature. Bask in the aromatic scent of the black pine trees blowing in the wind. Detect the sweet fragrance of primroses, wild violets, and blue sage. Smell the fresh salt water in the air as waves crash into rocky shoals. When you smell these things, you're smelling the world the way we found it. With over 500 refuges across America, you don't have to go far to make a special connection with nature. Learn more at fws.gov refuges. That's fws.gov refuges. 522 on a Wednesday morning. It's Josh Scramlin for the Midwest Farm Report, and I'm connected live via Skype with ag meteorologist Stu Muck. Stu, something about Friday night and snow in Wisconsin. Two weeks in a row we've been talking about it. Yeah, we sure have. And and this one, at least right now, really looks like it could be a producer. So I'll definitely keep my eye on it. Let's back it up here on a Wednesday, though. Talk about the winter weather advisory, 6 a.m. to noon. That includes La Crosse, Mauston, Madison, Columbia and Jefferson County, close to Beaver Dam as well. But we are going to talk of cloudy skies today. Keep Could your head in the game. Follow us on more likely some snowflakes developing this morning and certainly on into the afternoon. Madison, more of a possibility of freezing drizzle and just a few snowflakes with an inch of snow or less. Everyone else, I think, we're at about an inch of snow. Maybe a little glaze built in with some very patchy freezing drizzle. Fog developing as well today. And temperatures ought to be around freezing, low 30s. East winds this morning become northwest in the afternoon, about 5 to 10. Still a small chance of light snow or freezing drizzle early. Cloudy early tonight, becoming partly cloudy, getting a little colder. Down in the single digits, 5 to 8. 
Northwest winds 5 to 15, gusting to 25. Mostly sunny on Thursday, a little colder in the mid-teens, 15 or 16 for a high. Northwest winds 5 to 15, gust to 25. Cloudy Friday, snow possible toward afternoon and evening. Oh, in the low and mid-30s, 34 or so might be the warm spot. Southeast winds 5 to 15. More likely, Josh, that snow happens Friday night and just sticks around into Saturday morning. All right, Stu, thank you so much for keeping us updated. And as you said, you will keep us updated throughout the week. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning, okay? All right, sounds good. Have a great day. Yes, you as well. That's ag meteorologist Stu Muck keeping us up to date on Wisconsin weather and taking a look at current conditions right now around the state. Madison is 22 and partly cloudy. Eau Claire is 18 and partly cloudy. La Crosse, 13 and clear. It's 23 and mostly clear in Green Bay, 21 and cloudy in Wausau, and 23 and clear in Oshkosh. As always, for the Midwest Farm Report on a Wednesday morning, I'm Josh Scramlin. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. This is one of the trips you will never forget. Fabulous Farm Babe Pam Yonke inviting you to join us on our next agriculture adventure to Scotland and Northern Ireland. Castles, cows, and culture, that's some of what we've got in store. We'll start with three nights in Glasgow. Cruise Loch Lamont. Tour the Inverary Castle, then it's on to Edinburgh and capital cities of Belfast and Dublin. Along the way, we'll visit an Irish dairy farm and an expansive rural life museum. Let's not forget about the Titanic Belfast Museum and a breathtaking view of Giant's Causeway. It's all included, along with your airfare, accommodations, and more. Get details. Call 800-826-2266. You can send me an email, pam at midwestfarmreport.com or go to holidayvacations.com and enter keyword PAM. Scotland and Northern Ireland, September 15th through the 25th. Join us. In baseball, these are the moments that bring us to our feet. But the most important moment happens when we all stand together. United for a great cause. So join Major League Baseball and stand up to cancer as we stand in honor of all loved ones affected by this disease. I'm Jordana Brewster. I'm Candace Patton. Joe Manganiello. I'm Matt Damon. Cancer has in some way touched all of us. Visit standuptocancer.org slash MLB. Stand up with us. Battles aren't won solely on the field. That's a common misconception. Battles are won within. Over enemies of fear. Enemies of doubt. In that place where promises are kept. Promises to oneself. This is a physical training event. Promises to one's community. Healthy people move to free out of their house. Promises to one's country. In the heart of every Marine, you'll find a promise. A promise forever kept. A promise of Battles Won. Hi, this is Dave Gary, and I gotta tell you, the energy inside the Princeton Club this time of year is amazing. And you should see all the reinvestment and upgrades we've done inside the clubs. But hey, as we start 2020, here's a thought for a better tomorrow. Why not set a goal for ourselves to become even better this year? Better than we've ever been. 
One area that can have the biggest effect on the rest of our lives and the quality of them is our health. And at the Princeton Club, we can help make that your reality because our clubs are designed around you and what really works. It all starts with a specific exercise program tailored just for you. It's developed by our friendly and highly trained staff. And trust me, they really are the best in the business. And then it all happens inside our world-class facilities, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and with free childcare. Most importantly, you'll feel welcome here. Best rates of the year available now. Visit PrincetonClub.net. Neon, day globe, flashing lights, special effects. Today's world puts our sense of sight on overload. Luckily, there are places we can go to refocus our senses. Our national wildlife refuges. It's a wonder how much you'll see once all the distractions fade away. You may see a lone eagle soaring past massive snow-capped mountains or a great horned owl perched stoically on a branch nearby. You may see the furry face of a baby sea otter curiously poking its head out of the dark blue sea or ancient rocks shaped by centuries of wind. When you see these things, you're seeing the world the way we found it. With over 500 refuges across America, you don't have to go far to make a special connection with nature. Learn more at fws.gov refuges. That's fws.gov refuges. Some of America's bravest warriors are returning home wounded. Here's one of them. My name is Norberto Lara. While I was on a combat patrol, a rocket propelled grenade took my arm off at the shoulder. I was discharged from the Army, and I've been working with the Wounded Warrior Project since 2007. I don't have to be severely wounded. A lot of guys have post-traumatic stress disorder. Being able to share your story kind of helps you wrap your mind around what did happen over there. My name is Normie, and yes, I do suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, but I'm okay. Don't suffer in silence. Contact WoundedWarriorProject.org. But this cheating thing, it's the baseball part of it, Evo, is one thing. But it, to me, it's just, it's cheating okay. at the most rudimentary say, level of sport. Okay, so they got caught. The Red Sox are going to get busted, too, eventually. I, I feel like something's going to happen to the Red oh, Sox, it, right? It'll be before today's over. Let's say, let's advance the story and say David Stearns and Craig Council got busted doing they could, this. They could. But the, but the Brewers won the World Series. What say you? Nothing. I, mean, I will go out and buy even more World Series gear. I'll be sad because... What about you, Nelly? Mark, well, Mark Antanas will have no choice but to fire both of them, so it'd be very sad I to see... I hope he has cojones and doesn't fire them. They're just suspended a year. to see the end of Stearns and Council, but I would trade it in a heartbeat I'd hold a, a rally to say, make sure they're not fired. This is... You, you really think they would completely can Craig Council, Milwaukee's golden son? I bet they'd put him on suspension for a year... And hire him right back. Why do you think? Why was? Why do you think the Astros owner didn't do that with Hinge? Because don't Nelson, do you agree? AJ Hinge, the the suspension ends the day when whenever the World Series ends. That's when Hinch is suspended. Don't you think AJ Hinch is hired the day after the World Series ends? Yeah, he's gonna. I would. I would put he's money down. He gets a job somewhere else. Right. So why wouldn't Houston just sit it out for a year? I think they had the same face a little bit, didn't they? Like you were the first team to get caught doing that. Right. I think you had to go score stir on it. And speaking of sitting out of here, how is stealing signs worse than putting together a hit list to try and maim players, i.e. Bounty Gate? Sean Payton was suspended oh, for a year. Right? He survived Bounty Gate. Poor Brett But Favre. A.J. Hinch, 
doesn't survive banging on a garbage can to say it's a fastball coming. Yet Sean Payton and Greg Williams made a list of names they gave to their defense and said, if you take this guy out, you get a bonus. How is that? How is not? How is trying to literally kill a guy on the field not more egregious than saying he's going to groove you a fastball? Go bang on this trash can quick. It's it's It's, it's, it's nuts. It's so nuts. But when what I know I've said this a lot, but seriously, what's the difference if Aaron Rodgers has a three and out and the Packers have a three and out against the Niners? He goes to the sideline and they give him that damn Microsoft Surface tablet and they look at what the defense was doing and decipher their and they film them and they're like, okay, here's what the defense was doing. We're going to do this now. If it was up to the MLB, they would ban audibles in the NFL. Okay, early uh, segue to our next topic. Should the Packers be sending out scouts right now to be videotaping 49ers practice all week? Yeah. <laughs> can we send, can we pay for Nelson or get back one of our gaggle of interns from the summer, no. one of our harem of interns? No. Uh, would you have any problem if the Packers uh, videotape 49ers practices all week to win the game on Those Sunday? Those interns would say they'd do it, then they'd go out there and just sit on their phone the whole time. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, oh, let's oh, go to oh. this one. Mitch and Madison, welcome to the Joe and Evo Show. Hey, fellas, you guys are making good point after good point. I agree with you 100%. Um, I hate this saying, but it is absolutely true in this case. People complaining about the sign stealing and and how bad it is. The same thing with the Royce thing is the most okay boomer thing in the history of okay boomer. Again, I hate it, but it it sums it up perfectly. Uh, Baseball was at its height when there was the home run uh, chase. Uh, yeah. It, if you've ever watched, and if you haven't, you need to watch this, the Ken Burns baseball documentary. Oh, dude, that's awesome, yeah. Oh, it, how many, you know, you go through that, how many different times did they touch on people cheating or all the, the blatant racism in baseball? Yeah. Why wouldn't you just make that? You, I mean, we call it the steroid era. Why don't they embrace it? And here's the thing. I think in 20 years they will. They have to. everything... Yeah. Mitch, baseball, mean, Mitch, baseball all, loves history. They yeah. have to embrace their history. All these baseball guys that made their profession, that became famous covering Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa are the same guys that won't vote them into the Hall of Fame. The hypocrisy is beyond anything I've ever seen. You know what my response to that is? Okay, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, thank, Mitch. thank you, Mitch. I, yeah, I mean, look, how many uh, ESPN announcers were there that broke in live oh my in God. 1998 that probably went on to become big superstars covering the sport of baseball that then take the moral high ground and say, oh, but I'm not going to vote for him for the Hall of Fame. When your career was basically defined by covering the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa home run chase. Yet you're going to turn around and then say, but they're not a Hall of Famer. The hypocrisy is has no. And again, the New Orleans Saints basically took out a hit list. No, and, they did. And Sean Payton still has a job. It's maddening. And it's Greg Williams mad- still has and a Greg job. And Greg Williams still yeah. has a job. When most people hear the name Reba, they think of the country music legend who has her own TV show. But when us Wisconsinites hear the name Reba, we think of the farm superstar with her own radio show. This is the Farm Report with Reba McClone. Good morning and welcome back. It's currently 535 on Wednesday, January 15th. This is Reba McClone behind the Landmark Services Cooperative Agribusiness News Desk. And I recently sat and talked with Senator Howard Markline about 
what he wants to see move forward in 2020. It's interesting to see how things from 2019 are even cropping up in 2020, particularly livestock sighting. You know, and, and livestock sighting obviously was, well, it's been hanging around here for actually several years. And that was, um, you know, a, a topic that uh, I know our our egg um, groups had a, a big concern about last year when the proposal was uh, was rolled out by uh, by DadCap. And so we've been working with, and you know, we recognize we got to do something. I, ignoring the issue isn't going to solve it. And so um, I have been working closely with the the all the egg groups. Um, you know the. Uh, Farm Bureau, the Dairy Alliance, uh, DBA, uh, pork producers, cattlemen, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some, and as well as we're working with the Wisconsin Counties Association and the Wisconsin Towns Association, all who have a concern about our, our livestock siting. And so we've been working closely with them, and uh, you know we're in the in the home stretch here of uh, finalizing uh, a proposal that. All of those groups are, are are supportive of are going to be supportive of, which is which is kind of kind of neat. And I uh, so it's you got a lot of people with a lot of input there coming from different angles, but um, hopefully it's something that we can get uh, get done here uh, over the next um, you know couple months as we close out our session. So you're looking for a t- general timeline for that to be then in the next few months before the session's closed out. Yes, yes. And uh, at this point, what uh, I chair the Senate Agriculture Committee, uh, Gary, Representative Gary Talkin chairs the Assembly Agriculture Committee. And at this point in time, we are planning a joint hearing uh, between the Senate and the Assembly to kind of streamline uh, the process here. And uh, so you know, hopefully we'll get that, you know, done, you know, I don't know what the timeline would be here over the next uh, next few weeks. And you know, if, and that means those committees can, can get those, get it out of our committees and, and uh, have it available for uh, scheduling on the assembly floor and the Senate floor. And speaking of things that are ready to be going to the Senate or assembly floor, you were talking to me about truth and food labeling and how that is now coming out of committee and able to come to the floor. Right. And uh, these are this is three bills that I've authored. Um, I consider them kind of common sense uh, kinds of things. Uh, this is the truth in food labeling, and uh, this I don't care what you eat or drink or whatever, but as far as labeling, uh, this would have an effect uh, in the state of Wisconsin. The first bill uh, has to do with the labeling of milk. Uh, it would say that if you're going to label, call something milk in Wisconsin and sell it, uh, it, it better come from a cow, a, a sheep, you know, a, a goat, um, not from an almond or something else. Uh, if you're going to sell meat uh, in Wisconsin, call it meat. It better come from uh, the muscle from animals, not from a petri dish and not from a plant. And then finally, um, dairy products. If you're going to call some, you know, a dairy product, um, cheese, yogurt, uh, it better have milk in it. So uh, those three bills went through my Senate Agriculture Committee, and uh, we passed uh, all three of those out of committee. And uh, so they're available for uh, scheduling on the on the Senate floor. So. Uh, again, I, it's, it, it, these are three labeling bills that I've heard a lot of positive feedback from from um, the farmers in my area and, and quite honestly, farmers from uh, throughout the state. And the ag groups are incredibly supportive of all three of these bills. Have you heard any pushback from people outside the agriculture industry regarding these bills? Well, you know, the, the, the Plant Food Association, obviously, which is headquartered in uh, 
I think in California they're you know they're they're squawking about it. Um, you know, it just you know. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, there's some people that think you ought to just be able to call something, whatever you want to call it. And um, I, quite, you know, you have to. We have to have some standards for for labeling. We have them currently, so this isn't uh, anything new. And uh, so, um, yeah, there, you know, there there are some concerns by some people, but um, um, I don't think anybody in agriculture and the uh, Department of Agriculture has been uh, supportive of this. I appreciate uh, the administration support. Uh, on these bills as well. Is there anything else in 2020 that people should be keeping an eye out regarding their agricultural issues or rural community issues? Well, we're, you know, I'm working on uh, some other bills. Um, um, <clears throat> our um, egg truck driving hours. Um, right now, um, we have uh, the hours restrictions are, are limited from um, from like March you know, 15th to December 15th. Well, we all know what kind of weather we had in 2019. And so as far as the, the driving hours, what we're going to do is remove um, those. Res- the, uh, the restriction currently is from uh, December 15th to March 15th. And we're going to we're going to lift that. At least that's what the this bill does. And uh, it just doesn't make any sense because farmers are hauling, you know, grain now, They're you know, um, feed, um, hay, uh, right now, so we're going to remove that restriction that currently exists in law on driving hours from uh, December 15th to, to March 15th. So again, to me, common sense kind of uh, bill that I hope uh, we can get through um, our committees and, and get signed into law. Well, thank you so much, Senator Mark Line, for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us about what you're hoping to see move forward in 2020. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Reba McClone. Compeer Financial helped us get into our forever home. They helped me expand more than acreage. And helped our dairy grow for the next generation. At Compeer Financial, we see potential in every plan. Our unique perspective finds solutions to your challenges. And our specially trained financial team guides you every step of the way. Partner with us to make your goals possible. Compeer.com. Compeer Financial ACA is an equal opportunity lender and equal opportunity provider. And MLS number 619731, copyright 2019, all rights reserved. Do you have a sweet little bundle of joy in your life that sounds like this? <laughs> or maybe even like this sometimes? Well, regardless if they're laughing, crying, sleeping, eating, or anything else the babies do, we here at the Farm Report want to give your baby a free Farm Report baby bib and turn them into a fabulous farm baby. The fabulous farm babe Pam Yonke and Quick Trip have teamed up, and all you have to do is head to MidwestFarmReport.com and tell us where to send that bib. This has all been made possible thanks to the good people at Quick Trip as they support Wisconsin agriculture. If we all go in on energy efficiency, Wisconsin is in for some big rewards. Focus on energy partners with Wisconsin Utilities to offer farmers the tools to grow their farm's energy efficiency and cash incentives to make it happen. Get started today. Call 888-623-2146 or visit FocusOnEnergy.com slash agribusiness to learn more. That's FocusOnEnergy.com slash agribusiness. Focus on Energy, helping farmers grow since 2001. A man that knows any food tastes better when deep fried and served on a stick. 
This is the Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. We'll take a look at your markets in just a moment, but first, farmers bought more tractors last year compared to 2018, but combine sales remained flat. A new report for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers says for 2019, a total of 244,600 tractors were sold, which compares to 236,180 sold in 2018. That represents a 4% increase during last year. And now let's take a look at those markets. Right now, cash corn is at 388 and a half. All the while, new crop corn is at 395 and a quarter. Cash beans are currently at 941 and a quarter, and new crop beans are at 954 and a quarter. And as for wheat, cash wheat is at 569 and three quarters of a cent, and new crop wheat is at 571. And finally, February milk is down three cents at 1682, and March milk is unchanged at 1726. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Boy, Wisconsin weather has been tough on our farm equipment this year. Maybe now is a good time to push pause and take care of some maintenance. Fabulous Farm Babe Pam Yankee for my friends at McFarland's, 780 Carolina Street, just off Highway 12 in the heart of Sauk City. Remember, where everything is all under one roof, and that includes their fantastic service team. They've got a great deal going on now with McFarland's and Agco. Through February 29th, you can save 10% on maintenance and 10% on genuine Agco parts. Listen, that farm equipment needs to be reliable. You're using it every day. There is resale value to take into consideration and, of course, operating efficiency. McFarland's can help you walk through every step of evaluating that farm equipment and prioritizing what should come first on maintenance. Save 10% on maintenance and 10% on genuine Agco parts now through the end of February at McFarland's, 780 Carolina Street in the heart of Sauk City. When he was in college, he would use his talent as a world-renowned hog caller as a way to pick up chicks. This is the Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. The presidential election is not until November. It's only January 15th, and if you're anything like me, you're, well, probably already tired of politics in 2020, right? Well, you might as well get used to it because there's a lot going on. Last night, President Donald Trump held a rally in Milwaukee and the Iowa primary is not too far away as that is happening on February 3rd. One of the positives of agriculture is that for the most part in the political scene, it's pretty nonpartisan. But regardless of party affiliation, there is a need for agriculturalists in policymaking, in decision-making, whether that be on a local level or a state level or a federal level, it's something that is needed. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. And recently I spoke with Steve Bowe, the Director of Local Affairs for Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation, and Debbie Towns, the Senior Director of Governmental Relations for Wisconsin Farm Bureau. When I grabbed the two of them, the first question I asked was directed at Steve, and I asked him on a local level, how important is it for agriculturalists and farmers to be involved in decision-making. Critical. It's just absolutely critical that we have people uh, from agriculture, whether they are uh, farmers themselves or if they work in agriculture, to be involved in the decision-making process of you know, either school boards, town boards, county boards. Uh, it is, we're seeing a trend that they're having a huge impact, and we need to make sure that agriculture's voice is heard not only from the audience as constituents, but also as the decision-makers themselves. Mm -hmm. And then I would ask you the exact same question. How important is it for agriculturalists to be involved on a state level? I would say it's critical also. (laughs) (laughs) Who would have thought? (laughs) Who would have thought? No. Um, uh, You know, the population in in Wisconsin is um, not 
a very big percent of it is farmers or agri- people who represent agriculture. However, it is a very large portion of Wisconsin's economy. And so when laws are being made or rules are being made that impact ag businesses, we need people up there who understand ag businesses and who stand up for ag businesses and say, this isn't going to work, or this is the practical way to do it, or this is not going to be affordable, or this is uh, the way it should be. And because we're having fewer and fewer citizens in those professions, um, the way our representation works is we have fewer and fewer representatives that represent uh, rural residents. And so um, I would encourage anyone who um, thinks they can serve, either on the local level, counties, and a lot of times people come to Madison after they've served in local positions like school boards or town boards or um, county boards, and uh, they make great legislators, and we need people in Madison who understand rural issues. And then taking it back to a local level, I asked Steve Bowe to elaborate on a situation he talked about earlier, and he deemed it the Meatless Monday situation. Essentially what happened was a rural school district had a nutrition director who, under the radar, instituted a Meatless Monday, which means that in the school cafeteria there was no meat products being served every single Monday. The Farm Bureau caught wind of this, and they had meetings with the school superintendent. They sent letters to the school board on behalf of the county Farm Bureau, and the outcome was that the school made meat available once again. Well, the thing is, is uh, that's a great issue of that. We never think that that's going to happen in our backyard. And this was a rural school district in which they were kind of under the radar in implementing a Meatless Monday. And that just shows us we have to continue the education, and, and not only that, but also in our backyards. We always think that it's somewhere else or somewhere uh, in a different part of the state that has the issue. But really, we we need to be focused in our backyards about what's happening, the policies that are being put in place, and making sure that it's a pro-agriculture that's based on facts. Mm -hmm. Do you notice that a lot of it or half of it is just being aware of what's happening? I think it is, and I think it behooves us to take it upon ourselves to pay attention to what's going on. In this case, in his example, it was in a school district but we see it in your town decisions um, that are about um, preservation of ag land and, and other decisions that go on on the local level, on the county level, um, certainly um, how counties view the importance of ag and the importance of allowing um, transportation. The transportation issues are huge in agriculture. We have big businesses. We have to get trucks in and out of our farm, so we need roads that work. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I, I think it, on the state level it works and on the local level it works. Mm-hmm. Something interesting that you said earlier was, and I'm going to paraphrase and I'm going to screw it up, so I'm going to have to have you clarify, but you said it's not so much Democrat and Republican, it's urban versus rural is where you see there's maybe more of a disconnect. Well, I'd like to say, and I think for the most part, agriculture issues have not been Democratic-Republican issues. Yes. Generally, ag legislators come together, and whether regardless of which party they belong to, and, and they've very, worked very well together over the history of Wisconsin lawmaking. Um, I'm not saying there aren't differences between Democrats <laughs> yeah, and Republicans, because of course there are. Mm. But when you talk about ag issues, usually um, the rural legislators can get behind them regardless of their party. I'm just saying that a lot of times the urban legislators who represent the bulk of the residents of the state because there's just more quantity or there, um, I don't know what word I want to use here, there's just more concentration of voters in those areas. So there are more of them and their issues, 
they, they have no idea what mm-hmm. goes on in ag businesses or in rural areas or mm-hmm. the issues. And, and I'm not saying that rural people don't know what goes on in the urban areas either. Right. But that, and that's what I'm talking about is mm-hmm. that our issues, that when you represent folks, the issues you're working on for them are totally different mm-hmm. in rural areas than they are in urban areas. Completely. And, and um, we need more rural legislators to help make the rest of the body aware of what's needed out there because we do uh, provide a significant uh, plus in the economy of Wisconsin. Completely. And Steve, what are some of the events that you're doing on a local level that you're seeing success with? Well, I was mentioning in our breakout session a great event, the District 8, which would be northern central Wisconsin. Uh, Our county farm bureaus put together a kind of a law enforcement or uh, emergency personnel workshop where they were able to learn more about IOH implements of husbandry, particularly the lighting requirements on farm equipment, and then also animal husbandry. What should emergency personnel do when they come up to an accident uh, and there's cattle loose? or cattle got through the fence, Um, you know, learning about the blind spots and what scares them, uh, how to approach them, how to corral them, uh, even make some makeshift uh, corrals. Um, There are cool tips and tricks that law enforcement can use uh, to just make everybody's life better. Mm -hmm. And what was the response to to that event? We had a great response from our local emergency personnel. Uh, we looked at the evals and realized that this is an event and activity that we want to replicate across the state. Uh, there's definitely a need for it. It's just trying to match our, our available volunteers to meet the need that we'll, we'll see throughout the state. Mm-hmm. And then I'll start with you, and then I'll go to you. So what's in the hopper right now on the local level? Is there anything across the state that you're seeing that's of, a, of interest? Uh, right now across the state, we're just really trying to focus our members to pay attention on what's happening locally. Um, I ask my members to try to talk to a county board member, uh, talk to maybe their unit chair person for their town's association, um, you know, their county sheriff, help to develop those relationships, those positive relationships, which will pay dividends years to come uh, if they can maintain and and establish those. Uh, Because agriculture issue will arise at some point, Mm -hmm. and it's always better to have that relationship established uh, to advocate for your position on that issue. And then how would you summarize the relationship between state lawmakers and agriculture right now? I think it's very good uh, for the most part. That's what I said. I think um, ag issues are issues that that especially rural legislators can get behind. And and I think everyone talks fondly about farming. Everybody realizes their food comes from farms. And but we need them to stand up and say yes, we'll put the money behind it, or we'll vote for that uh, practice, or we'll help you get. Um, the law or the rules that you need to make it work for you. And so um, I think the relationship, obviously that's what I do every day is we work on relationships (laughs) with legislators. And so um, uh, I don't have anybody who won't let me in their office. So (laughs) that's good. good. That is Debbie Towns, the Senior Director of Governmental Relations for the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation. And before that, you heard from Steve Bowe, the Director of Local Affairs for WFBF. I hope that you really take their words into consideration and think about it. Running for a local position or or even a state position, may not be as crazy as it sounds. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Castle 